this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I'm blessed today to have Josh with me. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Emily. This is going to be a fun conversation. Um, as I'm excited for the listeners to hear about this topic, which we'll get into in a minute, which is not really discussed much, but maybe quote unquote laughed about a lot um, with people and at people comparative to taking it seriously, which I think is very important on what you're not sorry for. But before we get into that, Josh, tell people a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a manager. I, ma- I manage safety, uh, health and security for a, a philanthropic organization. Um, and I, uh, I, I have, I, I'm blessed to be able to lead people. I have a, a you know pretty large department and I've just become fascinated with the, with the idea and the concept of leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's like my favorite thing in the world, you know? So, uh, that's me. I'm, I'm fascinated by leadership. I love uh, working with people, leading people and making a difference. I love it. And I think one thing, too, is that many people sometimes, uh, especially in safety, feel like safety people in leadership, like you can only go to a certain ladder and you can't continue to progress. I've seen at times. But, you know, safety, it, I think a key component of it is keeping your people and making them feel like they are safe and valued and cared for. And we actually know from Aristotle's or from Google's Aristotle project that psychological safety is the number one thing for effective teams. So there's a lot that goes in there. But today's topic is about you and what you're no longer apologizing for. So, Josh, big question is, what are you not sorry for? I'm not sorry for leading with laughter. Mm. Tell me more about it. I mean, I am known to to uh, to make things fun when they may not be going very well or not very fun. Um, and I kind of really didn't even know I didn't even have a, a name for what I was doing until like, you know, during the pandemic, I started really reflecting, like, who are you? Like, how do I define myself? How can I actually define me? And, you know, what's my branding? Uh, and the more I thought about it, and the more I talked to people, hey, you know, when you think of me, what do you think of? And, you know, things like that. And uh, they were like, it's so much fun to work with you because you always make it fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's I mean, it's just it's one. It's just something that comes to me naturally. And then I started doing a ton of research on it uh, and learned what it actually does. Right. I mean, so there, there's so much more to it than just making people smile. Right. There's a, there's a whole lot of other things like psychological safety, it, you know, goes into play with a lot of those different things. Yeah, and it's so powerful in the aspect that, too, especially in stressful situations, um, it eases, it calms, it, it brings people down, as I call it. It's the rah-rah cheerleader. It's the teenager. But it gives that do- what's called dopamine hit to be like, okay, I can feel for a minute. I can laugh. I can. And, and the, the importance of it. So how has leading with laughter impacted 
your work as a leader? So I think it does a lot of things for me. Um, I think it it helps to foster trust, right? And as you know, the, the relationship, the foundational part of a relationship is trust and then communication, right? So I think it really helps people to to uh, to trust me. It's it's extremely humanizing, right? So that's one of the traits that you want to see in leadership is vulnerability. And I think that leading with laughter and joking around and having fun, you know, appropriately does that. I think it, it creates a human aspect about you or whomever is doing it. And then people are like, oh, wow, they're not robotic. They're not, you know, nobody wants to work with that. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it just is what it is. And so I think I think that's one. Of, I think it just really helps to foster trust. And then, you know, once you have trust, you have so many more things. You have innovation, you have creativity, you have psychological safety, right? I mean, so there's there's all these things that I think it really does help to foster and create. And I love that one word that you said too, is using it appropriately. Cause I know that we've also discussed too, that sometimes the funny guy or the fun guy is not somebody that they take seriously. And I think that's, a, is very big about being strategic whenever to use your laughter or being strategic with your vulnerability or strategic with whatever emotion that it is, is when is the right time to use it? Because it's not always right. So what has been your experience in that? I'm so glad you asked. That's actually, so I, I have some questions that I kind of asked myself to help me kind of prompt when I was trying to develop what my branding was around this, right? And one of them was, mm -hmm. does it help to create stronger relationships? Yes, I believe it does. The other one is, does humor detract from the mission or focus, right? Mm. And so I think that's really where this, where, where this, the focus is, right? Because is the person using it to create a more comfortable environment or are they using it to detract from their inability to do something, you know, because it is also, it's a crutch, right? When people get uncomfortable, oh, well, I'll throw humor and it's like, look over there, squirrel, right? And so yep. seeing what's really in front of you. And I think I, I took a class, uh, through a, a, a business association and it was like a five-day MBA. It was a really interesting course, but the teacher, it's something that he taught us is something that it'll never, um, it'll, it'll always be with me. And he used this acronym, it was run for success, right? And it was results, uniqueness and network, right? And I really believe those three things are very key for success. And I think the uniqueness is where I've use the laughter right so so the other thing is, is if you have those other things if you have your uniqueness you can do that with laughter or whatever that is creativity but you got to have the results right because if you don't have those results that laughter you're just a joke at that point you know and so i think i think that's really kind of what what you know where what you got to do you've got to be able to be great at what you're doing and then be able to leverage that you know to create a better environment and I think that's important, too, on that, because the results are very, <laughs> you have to have them like you can't do anything with them or you're just you're. And that's my frustration with a lot of things. And that's the reason why our whole model is called the wise model, because it's knowledge and action. Mm -hmm. Many people know what to do, but they actually don't do anything with it. And it drives me insane. So that's something just me as a human. But it's the other thing is whenever you're talking about earlier, it, it makes me think of that little meme. Why so serious? You know, and, and that's the thing is some people take mission oriented or vision or, or whatever they're doing. They take it so freaking seriously. And what actually sometimes happens is tunnel vision from it. 
um, that you cannot see other theories. You can't have organic growth from it because you're set on this path. This is the only path I'm going and I got to stay this way. So talk to me about that on how for you, have you seen it help with um, the organic flow that can come from it and also maybe fostering people that might not speak up that they used to? Oh, for sure. Right. So if you create that environment where people do feel comfortable with you and like, oh, this is a huge, you know, like I know for a fact I have conversations with my employees that a lot of managers or bosses do not have with their employees because people just don't feel comfortable. Right. And so I, it creates that space. And then I also encourage them, hey, talk to me about these things. I'm here for you. You know, I mean, so there, there, there's a lot of different things, but I think also having fun and that. Also, you know, there is a line of of too comfortable, right? I mean, so you have to make mm-hmm. sure that there's still. And so I, I, that was the thing that I kind of I just kept focusing on was like, OK, I think I'm really good at this. I ask people, you know, what do you think of when you think of me? And I think I'm pretty good at this. I want to be able to call it something, you know, because once you can put a name to it and, and uh, um, you know, you can u- use it more and you can call it when you want it and use it when you want it. Right. And then. My thing was, what have I done to where people, I joke around a lot and people expect it and we have fun when we get together. But then when it's time to take action and it's a serious moment, it's, I'm not still stuck in that mode that we were in previously. And I think that, you know, it's just, and I really still can't figure out what it is, but it's, it's a, an ability to shift it. And but people respect so much. I think that's all the other thing is there is the trust and the respect. And they're like, we're going, we're, we're following. We're going exactly in this direction. We saw, we see what's happening. And this is what we need to do because we trust. Let's go. This is, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. It is. And, and from the human aspect of it is what you've done is most likely has created an authentic relationship through oxytocin, which is the loving grandmother. So you created a space for human connection, literally, at, which is trust and bonding. And so from that, people can see you, your real self, that they know that you're more than just the funny guy. And I think that's the important part with it is as a leader, sometimes we get so attached to just being the strategic person or the person that is um, that brings whatever quality. We only get this one quality we're allowed to have. We're, we're the engineer where we only can bring engineering ideas. And what we do is we, we tap out on and miss out on other possibilities that people can bring because we're not just one function. We're human. So we actually come with a lot that can really bring to the table. So I love what you're talking about. And so I love for you, just if you don't mind, tell a story of whenever you first realize like, this is a game changer to have fun, but also be strategic. When people started telling me that I've changed the way that they perceive how work should be done. Ah. Right. And and these and it wasn't people that are just first entering the workforce. And so this is their first experience. I have had people I've had peers tell me you changed my perspective on work and that it actually can be fun. And you showed me how to have fun in the workplace. Right. And that I was like, what? I didn't even realize I was doing that. You know, like I'm just this is how I live. Like, I'm not going to work somewhere if I'm not enjoying it. That's just, you know. This, the, I said this to somebody the other day, the day of the pension is gone. This is, you get a 401k and it goes with you where you want, right? And so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be employed and work where I'm enjoying myself. And when I do that, then I love what I do and I do, I do great, right? And so um, 
when someone told me that, I realized I was like, okay, well, I'm, what I'm doing is actually doing something and it comes naturally, but now let me figure out how to really hone it. You know what I mean? See, and that's so important too, especially knowing that you're in the safety industry and safety has, oh gosh. Um, and I hate to say it like this, but a lot of people feel like they have a stick up their butt and it's, and it's just like, we have like, oh, it's, it's for me, it is so difficult to deal with some people understand. I know how people work. Like that's literally what I do. And it's still difficult for me to, for them not literally not to own my physiology and frustrate me the way that they can, because I'm like, do y'all not see how ineffective your strategies are? You do not have to be this serious. Like, and here's the fact, if you kind of like calmed it down a bit, people might actually listen. They may actually want to be around you, you know, but you come up with this hardness, like you're doing this wrong. 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 And so talk to me about how have you um, or have you incorporated fun and laughter into helping people identify some key things like cousin safety. We, we don't want people to die. <laughs> like that's literally what we're here for is risk and risk adverse. But how do you take that topic and, and kind of like turn it on its head and yeah. where people are receptive of it? I, I've, I've done so much around this and I really love it. So it's funny. I was in a training the last three days and at the very end, we had to give a presentation yesterday. It ended and it was all safety people. Okay. And a lot of them have been around for a long time. I've been in safety for 17 years. Many of them were 25 plus. Okay. So they were kind of set in their ways. And one of the things that has driven me nuts my entire tenure is people uh, acting cops. Okay. Instead of partners. Right. Mm -hmm. Two is scare tactics. I hate scare tactics. And they even show studies show when you do, when you use scare tactics, retention, you get the attention, but you don't get the retention. Right. And so what there were there, this was happening while people were doing their presentations yesterday and so oh, I, yeah. put, I put mine together and i created a, a little saying with a and i told him hey i'm trademarking this so leave it alone but i said instead of using scare instead of using scare tactics i use care tactics and it was like mm -hmm. creative appropriate relevant and emotional right and so you don't scare somebody but you can tie it to an emotional reaction of some sort um, laughter being one of those, right? And so one of the things that I did is the place that I work, uh, so I work for the Howard Hughes Medical Institute mm -hmm. uh, and I work at their Genelia Research Campus in Ashburn. Um, when I started there, I, I was, you know, I felt like the I, I focused on construction safety a lot and I felt like, you know, there were some improvements that needed to happen. How could I do this? So first thing I did is I, I get all these construction representatives and folks that I knew that worked around there in a room and I said, Hey, here's our safety expectations. And I looked around the room and I'm, I'm, I'm gauging the temperature and it's just like, this is just another person telling us the rules, the laws, you know? And I said, I gotta, I gotta approach this completely differently. So I came up with this idea and I formed this, uh, it was a, an every six month event for the next several years. And it was called the Genelia Occupational Safety and Health Show. Oddly enough, it works out that the acronym is Josh. Okay. <laughs> so it was the Josh show. And I had a friend who does a lot of um, uh, creative design and graphic design and stuff like that. So I would come up with these ads for the shows that were just amazing and funny. And I would come out with certain lighting and walk up music. And but what I did is I, I, I formed it so that the people, the first show, the people had to work in groups in one room first together to like work through a safety plan. And they had to go in the back and shop for their personal protective equipment or their medical clearances and stuff like that. 
And then they had to talk about the next show. They had to show the audience what they had chosen for that position. And the audience was allowed to like, you know, hold these check marks or X marks for good or bad. You know what I mean? So it created, mm -hmm. a, well, why, how come that happened? Then I started having them come as guests on the talk show and I would like Photoshop them onto some, someone else's body as a, in a funny way. When they come out, they'd have their own walkout music. And I would tell jokes, but then at the end, we would usually do something. I'd have somebody on video that would tell a story of, of an incident that they were, you know, impacted by personally. So that I would have, we'd have fun, we'd have all this laughter, and then at the end, we'd tie it in with this emotion, and we had done this roller coaster of engaging right and left sides of the brain, and you know what I mean. And I've so it, there, it went. It, there was a complete progression. I had a, a vision for this, and the and the last one we did is where those same people that started the very first ones, like two or three years before that, were then the teachers. And I said, you guys went from really not knowing anything about what we were talking about to working collaboratively to finding these solutions to then engaging in conversation to really figure it out. And now you're teaching, right? Mm -hmm. I said, and now and that's what this is about. And we had fun. And I had several of them told me said. I've never experienced safety in the way that I've experienced it. We had, it was so much fun, lots of laughs, and and uh, it was great. I mean, so I really I, I used it there big time to to do that. And then um, when the pandemic first happened, we all were told to work remotely, and we have a very large population, and people, you know, were just everybody's freaking out at that point. Nobody knew what to expect, and and so I did a, a talk show every Wednesday night called Social Distancing, and it was broadcast to the community, and I did. It was all laughing and joking, poking fun at stuff. I had a, uh, you know, I had Josh Poino. It was a play on the Josh Poino. I do like news reviews and so on and so forth. But I, I've leveraged it in a lot of ways to where I've made impacts in safety and then also in the community and just, and I've had a great time doing it. See, and I love that, that you used your gift and you, you learned what it was and you've used it effectively and efficiently. And I think that's important too, that creating experience with it as well because the big part that i've seen in learning is that it's not memorable people literally don't remember it um and i think that even goes back to the beginning too is that like those scare tactics that a lot of people use instead of the what you said care tactics i love that and the aspect that oh and and this is something that irks me so big because i am a physiologist like i know how to get your attention <laughs> but I'd rather not do the short game. I'd rather do the long game because I know I can throw stats that will scare you to death and that it's going to make you possibly buy something quick, but it's not going to keep you to stay and you're not actually going to get results from it. And those things drive me insane. That absolutely drives me insane. And it is a common practice in wellness. It's a common practice in safety. Um, that I've seen way too much that I Totally. Hey, if you can't tell for my passion from that. Um, but I think I think the big part in all of this that I'm hearing, too, is that leading with laughter is it's a big aspect of the leadership and understanding your leadership. And the show is called Unapologetically Bold and walking that out and how whenever you know your gifts and your talents, don't underutilize it. Yeah. I had a uh, I went through a leadership development program. I've, I've done several of them and I was doing one last year uh, and I had an executive coach that I would work with. And so that I told him, I said, I want to be able to you know, define myself and have my my personal brand. And here are the things that I think I do really well. This is what I've been told. And, you know, he's the one that started walking me through that. He was like, 
focus on the stuff you got, man. Those are the things that, that, that got you to where you are. That's why people want to work with you. That's why they like you. That's why they're investing in you to grow as a leader. Figure, you know, strengthen them. Continue to strengthen the things that you're really good at. You can work on getting better at some of the things that you're not as well. But, you know, leverage those abilities. Lever leverage what comes naturally, right? Because it, it, it is working. I love it. So for people that are listening to this and they keep apologizing for leading with laughter, what what would you tell them? You know, I did a live authentically. I, I was in a panel discussion last week uh, and it was, it was around authentic leadership. There's so much research that, sh that shows that people that don't live there to be, they're not being the, their authentic selves that they actually, you know, it, it causes mental stress, physical stress. You know, it's just it's it long term impacts from not being who you are. You shouldn't live like that. Nobody should have to live like that right now. Now, there are you. If the natural you is inappropriate or things like that, then you have some growth and development to do. But if mm -hmm. it's, if it's appropriate and it's natural, don't you should never be sorry and here's the thing if you're in a job where that's causing problems you're in the wrong job because you should never be in a job where you can't be yourself right mm -hmm. and if people around you aren't comfortable with it then you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people because those around you should love you and accept you for who you are and champion what you are you know so oh i think that's important too because i've not had many people say that on this show or if anybody has said it too is to understand that that if what you're walking out is not received correctly, you might need growth and development for it as well. Because I think that's a key one too, that people, ah, oh, it's just me. Like, and it makes an excuse. Whenever it's an excuse to do something that is not nice or well, moreover, not kind to another human and being kind, it's not friendly, it's not generous, it's not being considerate of others. Uh, nice is to, to be agreeable. I don't want to be agreeable, but I want to be, I want to be kind to others. And, mm -hmm. and understanding if it doesn't allow you to be a sucky human. Like, and that's what many people do. I'm just me. And I'm like, mm, mm -mm. so yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that as well. Um, so for people that are listening to this and like, oh, I want to learn more. I want to uh, chat with Josh. Like, how can they reach out to you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, my personal web domain forwards to LinkedIn, but my web address is thechangechamp.com. Um, and, uh, and my email is, is, should be on LinkedIn, but it's Joshua D Russell at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to talk with people about this. If they want to learn more about this too, outside of me, I've, I've done some, some, a bunch of reading. There's an interesting guy named Michael Kerr. Uh, he's the president of humor at work. He's also authored books about this specifically. He's got some really, really interesting data and, uh, you know, sends out newsletters and stuff that kind of gives tips and tricks. And some of it for to me is a little bit overboard, right? But there's also some cool stuff in there. Uh, and, and especially if somebody's trying to hone that skill and then put some some terms to what it is they do and figure out how to really shape it into something that's effective. You know, there's, there's tons of information out there. Yeah, and I think that's important too, is shaping it correctly um, as well, because I have, this quickly makes me think of my, my poor son. He wants to be funny. He wants to be funny so bad but he he is funny if he doesn't try but there's people that just are tryhards and i'm just like y'all like not not really your gift there's other things that we can work on but funny mm, may not be it so 
I, I've heard people say it's hard to do well and easy to do badly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on today, Josh. Like, I love this conversation. I didn't even know where it was going to go, but I think this went way better than I even not not to like dismiss you. But like for me, like I didn't know where this was going to go. And I just think this is so impactful for the listeners to hear on, especially if if you're a funny guy, because I actually know a lot of funny guys in safety. There's a lot of y'all like dad jokes, my favorite thing, like throwing them out at me all the time. (laughs) <laughs> like I love, and, and I don't know if that's a commonality too with safety, but um, it, this is important. I think this is extremely important for people to understand that you actually can lead with laughter. You can be serious in it, but you also, it can bring fun, enjoyment and innovation. So thank you for joining me and thank you for all that have and are going to listen in. Y'all have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.